Hi everyone, welcome to the Cult I Left Behind podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Briggs, and I'm here to tell you my stories of growing up in the IBLP cult, which you might know from the Duggar family. And I'm your other host, Kyle Briggs. I'm Amanda's husband, and I have not heard most of these stories before, so stay tuned and we'll all get traumatized together. Welcome back to the next episode. What do you have for us tonight, Amanda? Music. Music. And how demonic it is. Oh. Unless it's a hmm written in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or classical music. Those are the two exceptions to the rule. Yeah. <laughs> what was different about <laughs> hymns? I guess and we're gonna music? find out. Cause all right, so source documents for this episode are the basic seminar and the advanced seminar workbooks. So there isn't complete context. It's, you know, just the fill in the blanks for the basic seminar. Mm -hmm. And then the advanced seminar has a lot more text, but there's still like, you still don't have the verbal teaching builded to explain some of this. I've been reading through this and like, I don't understand it. (laughs) And some of it's just factually incorrect. So a little background on me. I don't remember everything I used to know about music theory, but once upon a time, I was a major music theory nerd in college. I took five semesters of music theory um, all the way up through 20th century music theory, which was a bitch. And then there was only one other level of music theory offered by the music department And for whatever reason, I didn't take it. I didn't need it to graduate. I ran out of time to take it. I know, I used to know. (laughs) I used to know a lot about music theory. I retained some of it. And I don't have a minor in music. I have an interdisciplinary in music. It's almost enough credits to be a minor, but it's not. And I didn't feel like I was in a time crunch. Um, There was a lot going on with my ex-husband's military career and I had to like leave campus to move with him if I wanted to move with him. And we'd already been separated for a long time because of his training. And I didn't want to stay on campus just to take the rest of the credits. And they were all only on campus, no online options. So blah, blah, blah. Anyways, that's why I have an interdisciplinary instead of a minor. I wouldn't say I'm an expert on this, but I think after reading this, I know more about music than they do. Okay. (laughs) I believe that. So it's going, I guess this episode is going to be a little bit of like what I remember being told about Mm -hmm. why we could only listen to hymns and classical music, and then also what the adults knew from Bill that caused them to have those rules in the home. Uh, I think we might be in for another wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) As always on this podcast. Uh, Anytime we look at primary source material from the cold it's wild i just i know i shouldn't be shocked anymore but also i'm like reading this stuff and i'm like no (laughs) this this is incorrect (laughs) like that's that's well you've been removed from it for a while so like the leading tone to the tonic like that isn't the only interval you have the same thing between the mediant and the subdominant, but they're like, oh, that that leading tone, it's so sensual. We'll get to it. 
It's just intervals. It's intervals in a scale. Half (laughs) steps versus whole steps. And they're like, there's just that one half step. And I'm like, that is false. (laughs) So what... What was this differentiation there between classical music and, you know, Uh, everything else that's unholy? You know, Kyle, I got to tell you, I really don't know why classical music was okay. Because it's named classical? I mean, maybe just because it was old. But if you study music history, like every time there was a new era in history, and I don't remember all of them, but you have like... Your your baroque um, to classical to romantic to I think after there might have been another step between romantic and twentieth century, um, mm-hmm. but every time a, a new era of music came along, like that was horrible, and and the churches would have their you know uproar because. Now we're singing songs about God to a different style of music. So this is like, this is not new. This is not new. And when the church started using, quote, contemporary rock music, yeah, it wasn't Beethoven anymore. It wasn't uh, Bach anymore, but it was following the natural historical progression of church music Mm-hmm. adjusting to the music of the time, which right. has always been controversial and has always made everyone mad because Christians love to be mad about music. <laughs> I mean, they like to be mad about a lot of stuff, but they really like to be mad about music. They like to start some fights and divisions some of freaking churches holy over wars. The worst time of my life was when I was a music director for a church. I have never, like, I had never had anyone cuss me out in a workplace environment before. But wouldn't you know, it was the parishioners of that church who sent me emails calling me names and swearing at me. Very holy. Yeah. That wasn't even in the cult. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a non-denominational church environment. Mm -hmm. And and people would just get up in arms like the hymns versus the praise and worship music. And, you know, the church wanted to attract the young people, but the old people were like, onward, Christian soldiers, we must have the hymn, which that's a hymn. Did you know that's a hymn? I don't Onward Christian one. soldiers marching as to war. Uh with the something of Jesus going on before. Something like that. But we're marching as to war, Kyle. So you talk about <laughs> hymns. I remember there being two specific ones, and maybe this is just the church I grew up in. There was a red hymnal and a green hymnal. Oh, I think the green hymnal was the bad one, right? Yes, that's the that's the one that the younger folk like. It had like as the deer panteth yes. for the water, <laughs> yes. which we can't have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one. But Kyle, so there was the red one and the maroonish pinkish one. The maroony pinkish one was less holy than just like the plain bright red one because mm-hmm. the bright red one was older. <laughs> it was smaller <laughs> and older. And I feel like it didn't take long to get through that one. And yeah, there was always fights over like, are we singing out of the red hymnal or the green hymnal? Yeah. And <laughs> as as a good female in the cult, of course, I learned to play the piano. I started playing the piano when I was seven. And of course, of course, of course, uh, you learned to play hymns like you did your Mary Had a Little Lamb stuff just to like, yeah. And then as soon as you could play with both hands... 
you you played hymns. You learned how to play those chords. And then and then as you evolved as a musician, Kyle, you could improvise. What? Right? That was allowed? Well, I mean it just meant making the hymn flowery by like using arpeggios and stuff in the chords and anyways. But that was a huge part of my life, learning how to play pretty much every hymn in the hymnal, because in the cult church that I attended after we moved to Wisconsin, so like from 11 till I, uh, just about till I went off to college, uh, those of us who could play the piano would rotate playing the hymns Mm -hmm. for the congregation that was, you know, 45 people made up of four families. (laughs) (laughs) So was the cult church really that, I guess, small in terms of number of families? Okay, let's let's think. I won't say their names, but they're other than my family. So the Lewis family had 10 people. You do the math as I go. The other family had nine kids and two parents, so 11. Uh, the other family, they weren't very holy. They only had six kids and and then the two parents. And then the other family had – they were the least holy of all. They only had four kids and then the two parents. And then there was another couple. They were like the parents of one of the other cult parents, <laughs> so the grandparents. Uh, and then there was the cult pastor and his wife. I think that's 38. Someone's going to correct me. I know it, but I think that's 38. So you were pretty close. (laughs) That's crazy. So, all right. So the hymns, we would rotate. So who could play the piano? I think most of us could. Well, all, almost all the girls could. So Andrew, Amy and I, uh, one of the guys, one of the guys played, um, his sister played, Two of the other ladies, young ladies played. And then I think before the other family left, like maybe one or two of them played. So you've got like seven to nine people on a given Sunday who can play. So we would rotate because it was like kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. And of course, I started volunteering because why not? do things that scared me. I mean, it was it was better than being bored. Those services were like four, four and a half hours long. Wow. Yeah. That's brutal. It was horrible. And I mean, we got a little break in the middle, but that's how long we were there. Oh, and then there was like fellowship afterwards too. I hated Sundays. I dreaded <laughs> them so much. So playing the piano really broke things up. But what you had to do is you had to be able to play whatever songs they picked out because you didn't know. You didn't know. They were just like, you'd get there that morning, and one of the cult dads who ran the service would be like, all right, we're going to sing hymn 478, 332, 4, and, you know, 920, whatever. Um, and you you just like, you had to know them, or you had to be able to sight read them. Mm-hmm. So part a huge part of my life was like playing through the whole hymnal, trying to know every hymn so that I could play whatever they threw at me on a given Sunday morning. Of course. I really missed out on childhood, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, so how old were you when you, so you. I was probably like 13 or 14 when I started okay. helping with that. Yeah. I mean, I think I was like roughly that age when I started like running the sound system at church. Mm-hmm. So I think it just kind of, uh, it's teenage yeah. years, you start getting a little more involved. Yeah. I was really scared for a while doing it. Cause nobody there. Oh. 
Apart from the people who knew how to play the piano, like no one else was a musician. So they would like sing at different tempos and like off key. And when there aren't that many people, like someone singing off key is going to stick out. And so you just really had to focus as the instrumentalist and just like, this is the tempo and just like doggedly stick to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try to drag everyone along with you. So was, was there anything in those hymnals that was off limits? I don't think so. But one time, one of the cult dads was very controversial. And he was uh, different than the normal guy who led. But he was leading that day. And he was like, we're going to sing this song. And instead of singing for such a worm as I, we're going to sing for such a one as I. Because God doesn't think we're worms. That was probably like the most accurate thing that ever came out of that church. <laughs> but like, Kyle, we're worms. I've never heard that one. That's new to me. <laughs> and then the other thing you realize, and I, I'm just going back on a weird memory uh, d- deep down the rabbit hole, but um, there were so many references to like war and being a soldier and like crusading for Christ. Like it's so mm. the, the armor of God. Well, just just like the warfare imagery is so wrapped up in that era of Christianity. And then it just, you know, moved on from there. Well, specifically the, um, like the 1800s. Is that when the Salvation Army was founded? Because I think- Sounds right, I but I have no idea. I think there was a correlation. And don't quote me on this, folks. Like, go Google it or something. But I think there was a correlation between the Salvation Army being formed and like this- marching as to war, I'm a soldier of the cross um, language in mm-hmm. Christian worship music. <laughs> Anyways, for whatever that's worth, don't, geez, don't, don't go to war, people. So Don't join cults. Don't join crusades. <laughs> <laughs> so everything in the green and the red hymnals was fair game. For you? No. We didn't, no, we, we couldn't have... As the deer panted no, for the water. No green hymnal. I mean, I forget if that ever became okay. It was definitely not okay for a while there. That was, that so was you contemporary, guys Kyle. Did you guys sing anything that wasn't in the hymnal? Like, did you sing... Kyle. No. Sacrilege. Just, I, I <laughs> no, guess. we did not. No mercy well, me, huh? the only other thing we could sing was like cult music. So you guys had your own music? They had their own music books. Okay, okay so I <laughs> want to talk about this, but I want to talk about it very sensitively. Um, a lot of folks in the cult had children who had physiological or mm-hmm. um, mental disabilities. And it was so common, in fact, that I just like grew up thinking that that was just how it worked. Like everyone was going to... Um, have a kid with some sort of like birth defect or disability or something like that. And what I found out as an adult <laughs> is that the there's the whole chromosome breakdown as you age and that leads to issues for the child. And like, of course, because people just kept having kids and kept having mm-hmm. kids and kept having kids because they had to. Because they had to have, you know, their quiverful and, you know, have their army for Jesus, generation for Christ. Um, 
But all of that to say, it was such a prominent thing that there was an entire music book just about coping with having a disabled child. All of the songs were about that. Wow. Yeah. And then they create these songs like themselves? Yeah. It was like families from the cult wrote the music and then it all got compiled into this book. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a feat. I mean, it sounds like, well, I mean, I guess the cult was rather large, um, you know, when you talk about it in totality. But yeah, it's crazy that they, that was such a problem or... I say problem, but it was so prevalent. Such a in common the cult. occurrence. Yeah, it was yeah. so prevalent in the cult that they had their own dedicated book to music book. Yeah, including songs about that and mm-hmm. coping with it. Was it like healthy at all, or was it just like "Woe is me"? Like, oh, our poor kid. It was like this is the cross I have that Jesus wants me to carry, mm-hmm. and. It's interesting because you look at like non-cult families. My ex has a cousin. I I really miss my ex's family. <laughs> like his relatives <laughs> there. I like them a lot. Um, but just watching how non-cult people respond to having a child born with some sort of disability, like it is so different. It is so different than what I witnessed growing up. Um, and it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful how, how I've seen like non-cult families handle that stuff. And, um, I'm sure it's hard. I'm sure there, there are just really difficult moments watching your child struggle and, um, you know, have seizures and all of the things that can happen, but they just, they have a very different, um, attitude and a very different way of speaking about it. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah, this is um, kind of off topic. But so we had that kind of music. And then we also had, you know, all of we had the song books for all of the children's stuff, like the oh, attentiveness geez. song and the gratefulness song. And I don't even remember all of them. <laughs> the boomerang song about how your sin will keep finding your sin will keep finding your sin will keep finding you out. Aha. That's no. how that ended. <laughs> when I go out to throw a boomerang as far as I can see. After beginning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, it always comes back to me. It always comes back to me, Kyle. Did you know sin is like a boomerang? There's never any doubt. Though you're decided I'm running and hiding and running and hiding and running and hiding. Your sin will keep finding, your sin will keep finding, your sin will keep finding you out. Aha. Those are the lyrics to the whole song. I am really mortified that I remember all of them. I'm impressed. Um, I mean, we only sang them a couple thousand times because when they didn't know what to do with us at the Children's Institute, so like Mm -hmm. the kids portion of the basic seminar, they'd just get us all in a big group and we'd sing the songs again and again and again and again and again. And there were, of course, hand motions to go with them. So we had that song book. and, And then there was like the Proverbs 31 woman song, which like, okay, I was thinking about that song the other day. Because of the podcast, Kyle. I was thinking about the song because of the podcast. Thanks, trauma. But I was like thinking through the whole thing and like melodically how it goes. And it is horrible. It's like the weirdest song ever. And it doesn't make any sense. It's just like, we'll do this melody. Oh, different melody. Oh, let's throw in some dissonance over here. Okay, so let's, it's like 15 songs in one song. Like, 
They just liked those parts and they just crammed them all together. I guess. And now I'm trying to remember like how we even learned it. Cause like, you know, the, the normal song structure is like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, done. It was like 18 verses. Mm-hmm. Each one had a different melody though. <laughs> so, so there was, yeah, there was other music, but mostly just the hymnal. Okay. And then we were allowed to listen to classical music, basically all classical music. Like it was all fine. And I, delightful older sister that I was, I decided, <laughs> I spent a lot of time watching my younger siblings, like babysitting them and stuff. And I would do this thing called culture hour where I would make them listen to operas and other classical music. And I think I got them to the point, I forget which opera it was, but they could all like sing the whole thing. At first they hated it. Maybe they always hated it. I don't know. I had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Cheap entertainment. I mean, that's that's life in a cult, Kyle. What more could you Uh, want? I know. Culture hour with your older sister blaring opera at you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're an opera singer, so it's only natural. So you've got the hymnal, the red hymnal. Mm -hmm. You've got your cult special hymnal and like the song books yeah and Mm -hmm. the kids book Mm -hmm. and those are the only sanctified songs Mm -hmm. so what did they say about secular music okay well let's just let's just start getting into this okay oh my gosh i don't know if i'm ready for this so so the basic seminar is like an overview there isn't much to it all we know is that like Principles of music are on a spectrum of um, God's kingdom, which is light, to Satan's kingdom, which is darkness. And in the middle, we have gray. So we have God's okay. kingdom, light, gray, Satan's kingdom, darkness. And and that's, the I don't know, it just says principles of music. So there is a gray area. Yeah. The advanced seminar gets into that more, and it's absolutely hilarious. Okay. <laughs> So then, then you have <laughs> basic principles of music evaluation, which has one, two, three, four, five columns. So if you read it left to right, it's, it's the part of us. So we have, of course, spirit, soul, and body. And then we have the parts of music, um, which are like for spirit, it's like melody. And for soul, it's... Um, harmony and then for body it's rhythm like pulse no pulse equals dead throbbing pulse equals sick concealed pulse equals healthy what i have no fucking clue i don't get it so guys um if you take this and just extrapolate it to your life if you can't feel your pulse you're healthy Okay, then it's it's basic drives in music. So for the spirit, it's spiritual. For the soul, it's psychological. And for the body, it's physical. Okay? Then you have tension slash relaxation. For the spirit, it's rise and fall. For the soul, it's dissonance, consonance. And for the body, it's repetition, variation. 
I'll find out. And then basic effects of imbalance for your spirit. It's tension, unfulfillment, frustration, depression, and despair. Okay. The basic effect of imbalance for your soul is confusion and rebellion, showmanship, gusty, sentimental. Okay. And then for the body, it's um, sensuality and distractions. So none of that makes any sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I just, my big takeaway from this is that no pulse is dead, throbbing pulse is sick, and concealed pulse is healthy. Okay. Whatever that means. Then you have basic principles of music evaluation. Um and it's it starts with the first principle, which is there is no such thing as amoral music. Um, and then it breaks it down into chemistry, language, music, math, and art. I, I never once studied chemistry with music theory, so I don't like no clue what they're getting at with that. Um, but apparently, like. With language, it's letters, because A, B, C, D, E, F, mm-hmm. G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music is notes, math is numbers, and art is lines. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then principle two, music is a form of worship. It is corrupted when mixed with carnality. So for <laughs> under chemistry, it's poison. Language is untruth. Music is rock. Math is incorrect. And art is pornography. what does it make any sense um yeah how did they come up with that so chemistry h2o plus cn i don't know water plus i forget i don't know what cn is okay and that's poison but apparently if you put those together, it's poison. Okay. Language is truth plus a lie is untruth. Music is rhythm plus imbalance is rock. Math is solution plus one is incorrect. And art is figure plus nudity is pornography. A naked person? So keep in mind, this is all under basic principles of music evaluation. <laughs> yeah, how does that play into yeah. it? Like we talk about naked people when we're talking about music. This It just gets better, okay? So <laughs> principle three, is it wrong to use carnal music to present a holy message? Chemistry, do we take drugs to win addicts? Again, <laughs> musical evaluation, folks. This is what you should be thinking about. Language, do we use curse words to witness? Yes. Music, <laughs> do we use carnal music to gain a hearing? Math, do we steal to identify with robbers? <laughs> What is Art. Do we draw lewd pictures to present Christ? So, so that's the basic seminar on music. Um, and then we then we go to the advanced seminar. This is where shit really hits the fan. So, so <laughs> we learn a lot more about the spectrum of light to, to to darkness. Only now it's called light, God's kingdom, gray, evil. Satan's kingdom. So darkness is gone. It's just evil now. Okay. Okay. And then um, under that, we have scope of demonology. This is all under the the segment, how to recognize, quote, the lie in contemporary music. Just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So um, 
So now instead of body, soul, spirit, we have guidance, healing, and awareness. <laughs> okay. Um, light is for guidance is truth and testimonies, godly counsel. Uh, and then we'll skip the, the middle sections because let's just get right to evil, Satan worship, fortune telling, and rebellion. <laughs> That's the antithesis, okay? And then for healing, on the light side, you have prevention, accountability, anointing, health care. Under evil, you've got suicide, witchcraft, and euthanasia. <laughs> Again, this is about the lying was- contemporary music. Hell if I do. Okay, and then awareness. Under light, we have fasting, spiritual, music, prayer. And then under evil, we have abominations, rock music, demonism. <laughs> mm-hmm. So rock music specifically called out there. Yeah. Not jazz or country. Yeah. Or- oh, but in the gray, let's just run through the gray real quick. Real, 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 real. Yeah. Um. Under guidance in the gray, we have cults. We have cults in the gray. Cults are in the gray. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Horoscopes and presumption. So, I mean, I guess according to this cult, if you want to be in a cult and have your horoscope, like, it's gray. Go crazy. Okay. um, Then under healing, you have humanism, reasoning, drugs, and mutilation. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, this is all about evaluating music and, and determining the lie in Clearly. it. And then under awareness, you have perversions, carnal music, and the occult. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not demonism. So it's better than demonism, apparently. I don't get it. Okay, so now we have um, now we have principles of musical evaluation in the advanced seminar. And boy, howdy, this is a lot more. So um, under there's no such thing as a moral music, we learn that accurate evaluation of music is only possible as we integrate it with the related disciplines of mathematics, science, history, and medicine. Now music is medicine, Kyle. Not only is modesty medicine, but music is medicine. How high was this person when they wrote this? Like, it doesn't <laughs> no, they make any sense. can't do drugs, sense. Kyle. Drugs are under evil. Well, you can't be in a cult either. Well, that's gray. <laughs> Okay, uh, the laws of these disciplines act as an authoritative reference to confirm that the musical expression is is either following or violating established principles. Again, we got chemistry here. Language, math, art, and music. Okay. Um, the individual parts in each of these disciplines are amoral. However, this status changes once any two elements are combined. So once two parts are put together, the result will be judged. And then every idle word, give account, Matthew 12, 36. Okay. Um, every deed judged, good or evil, 2 Corinthians 5, 10. <sighs> and then more about like, God does not judge immoral things, but two elements, poisons, two letters, curse, two notes, disharmony, two numbers, wrong, Two lines, pornography. No no clue what any... Two lines equals pornography, huh? I don't know what this is. I didn't know when I was taking geometry classes <laughs> and they described what a parallel line is. I was looking at pornography. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that right when I take a drink. <laughs> Speaking of which, what are you drinking? I've got Colorado honey. 
which is a bourbon whiskey with Colorado honey mixed into it. And I'm just drinking it straight because it's delicious. Oh, is that the one we got for your birthday? Mm -hmm. Oh, yum. It's good. It doesn't eat anything else. I am drinking a magnificent mocktail you made me. (laughs) It is choke cherry lime, Mm -hmm. like a mocktail mixer with club soda and then some non-alcoholic tequila that's a little spicy if you ask me, but it mixes really well with that stuff. It's really good. Okay, then we talk about how music is interrelated to the study of other disciplines. And, and this is where we just really go off the rails even more, okay? How is music interrelated to the study of other disciplines? Just as there is a balance of power in the three branches of the United States government, so the laws of related disciplines provides checks and balances for music. <laughs> oh, and then there's a bunch of stuff about um, symphonic form, classical symmetry and art and architecture and acoustical analysis of variety and tonal levels. Uh, and then th- this one is, I think, where it's also incorrect. Behavioral effects of sound. Why do sliding and sagging pitches in a singer's performance give a sensuous impression to the hearer? Oh, geez. Why, Kyle? That's the question. And then the answer is, The study of science and behavior in the ability of the sound to suggest erotic movement. They're like looking really deep into musical theory here. No, they're not. They're ignoring music theory. You know what I mean, though? They're like making these weird correlations between things. It's like, oh, there's a slide in there. It's so erotic. Well, okay, that's not the part where they said the thing about... um, intervals so we'll get to that but i remember if if it was like breathy or there was sliding chris would make us turn it off it's too sensual who how did you even like how did they come up with this like why is that sensual or sexual Mm, i don't get it because it's whispering it's suggestive (laughs) and then they have a segment on the cultural significance of atonality Okay, that's that's a 20th century music thing. Um, the cult wants you to have a historical understanding of the trends and art forms as they reflect the thoughts and desires of people at various time periods. So so atonality is oh, basically when a song isn't like centered on a specific key, it moves around a lot and mm-hmm. there are weird intervals and borrowed chords and all this stuff, um, like way more than normal. And... Aaron Copeland is an artist or a composer. I had to sing a lot as a musician. So in competitions, you had to like usually have different eras of music represented. So something that would be considered what the lay person would call classical, but was probably like Baroque or romantic or, you Mm -hmm. know, actual classical. Um, And then you usually had to have like a 20th century piece because they're hard. They're hard because they're weird intervals that you don't normally sing, you don't normally hear. They don't make sense. I I didn't like it, <laughs> but I had to sing this song called "Why Did They Shut Me Out of Heaven" um, <laughs> by Aaron Copeland, and and it's like, "Why did they shut me out of heaven? Did I sing too loud?" Is the final phrase, and it's a very like dissonant uh, interval, and. 
I used that song and did very well with it in competitions, but that, um, I guess Rick and Chris just didn't understand what all of that meant because they probably wouldn't have allowed me to sing that song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that's a fun fact. Um, effects of rhythm on the function of the heart. How can an imbalanced beat in music actually cause the loss of physical strength? Oh, jeez. Answered by studying medicine and the acoustical effect of external rhythms countering heart rhythms in the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that, like... <laughs> Music impacts you physically, but that's a stretch. Um, Expressions of subjectivity in music. Why is there an increasing focus on man's personal experience in lyrics of the 20th century songs? In the lyrics of 20th century songs. Well, that, Kyle, is answered by understanding the historical development of philosophy. An increasing emphasis on existentialism and humanism. Motivating glorification of subjective experience as the most desired legitimate expression. I feel like that's another IBLP word salad. It sounds like it. I got lost on that. I was like, I don't don't even know what's happening. Uh, acoustical evaluation of decibel level, level. Why is rock music consistently performed at high volume levels, Kyle? Uh, you can answer that by a study of acoustics and behavior, recognizing that the high volume levels are required to consume the listener totally and to block out the internal communication of personal conscience. Oh, is that a fact? Mm-hmm. Rick used to tell me that it, like, he didn't believe in listening to music like while driving in the car and stuff. Like you have to, you have to be alone with your thoughts and people just turn on music to drown out their thoughts. So they don't have to think about their sins or whatever. Like, not that he wouldn't listen to music, but that like Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't just drive around all day listening to music because it's, you're just using it to block out your conscience. I feel like there's a couple people out there that might disagree with that. Mm -hmm. A couple million. And then there's a bunch of weird stuff about perception of light and color effect of rhythm patterns on the body. Kyle, you're, you're probably very interested in this one. I know how much you love to dance sensually. Oh, (laughs) no, (laughs) not a dancer, Kyle. Uh, No. (laughs) Um, why is triple meter used more often in songs of personal testimony than for hymns of praise to God? Answered by understanding of science, the effects of rhythm patterns on the body. It uh, it tends to communicate objectivity and control, especially in a military sense of march or triumph. Triple meter tends to communicate a circular movement with much greater subjectivity. Cool. Microphone techniques related to territories? <laughs> Oh, here, this is the answer to your question. Why does a singer's breathing into a microphone communicate a sensual message? Answered by understanding of science, the territorial domains of creatures. All animals and human beings have an innate sense of private space around them. Heavy breathing into a microphone creates an impression of implied intimacy because the breathing sounds as if it were right next to your ear. We're being so sensual right now. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Stay away from our personal space, listeners. This is so dumb. Um, And then then it's it's 
back to like while music must be brought under the control of the Holy Spirit um, and music is a form of worship. It is corrupted when mixed with carnality. And then it talks about like chemistry is poison language, untruth, math incorrect, you know, all that stuff again. Oh, but but this time uh, figure nudity is pornography, rhythm and imbalance. Now it's acid rock. I've never even heard of that. I don't know what acid rock is. I know it's in a Taylor Swift song. She references that uh, after she stopped dating this guy, she didn't have to pretend she liked acid rock. It's a really good song, actually. Hmm. Um, I've heard heard that. That was the first time I'd ever heard of it, which was like in the last year. So (sighs) I'm really holy, Kyle. I know (laughs) what acid rock is. And then there's, there's a little quiz. Worship ascribes glory to someone or something to whom does this music give glory and you're supposed to ask this question as you listen to a song Mm -hmm. the composer the musicians man's philosophies musical instruments god and his word of course the only right answer could be the last one kyle you're learning you're like a level three cult person now (laughs) (laughs) i'm making it so far in life A musician is not capable of glorifying God unless the word of God is a living reality in his daily life. Mm-hmm. So, so like, make sure you're only listening to music by really, really good cult people. And then there's a bunch of stuff. Let's see. This is kind of, like, cut off. I don't know if I can see all the way. Uh, it's a new section. Not sure what this section is, but it's a lot of stuff about music is... Wait, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So, you know, we can't use carnal music. Oh, this is why I think this is the it's supposed to be answering the question, like, is it okay to use secular music or like secular contemporary music to worship God? So like modern praise and worship music. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no. And then it says you can't touch unclean things and um (laughs) Carnal music and spiritual words do not mix. They war against each other, Kyle. Oh, is that a fact? Mm -hmm. God's work is not to be done with worldly methods. But the funny thing is, like, all the Christian music from the early, like, the the beloved holy classical era, like, they, they literally just took, like, secular music of the day and slapped Christian words on it. And there was an uproar back then. So this has been happening forever, Bill. Mm -hmm. And then um, all parts of music must obey God's laws of order. So chemistry, practice, uh, no, sorry, precise order of elements, astronomy, cycles of days, months, and years, medicine, rhythm of heartbeat and organs, art, principles of light and color, music, patterns of vibration and chords. So, so those are all of the aspects you need to pay attention to because, as as we know, um, music is medicine and now astronomy. So, were people in the cult even like this in tune with music to understand all of these principles? Well, to know funny that listening? you ask that because the next thing is like music theory. We've got a scale with do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Um, then, then they go through all of the chords, which are tonic, supertonic, mediant, subdominant, dominant, submediant, and the leading tone. So leading, so evil. 
And then it talks about chord progressions that are good. And like, like apart from the cult, there are chord progressions that sound better than others. Like they're powerful and, mm-hmm. you know, um, Again, with That's a little a bit thing. of truth in there. Mm-hmm. And then it teaches you all of the notes on the keyboard because you came to the advanced seminar to learn music theory. Oh, now it talks about modulating keys mm-hmm. and the circle of fifths <laughs> in major keys. And then it goes through um, all the key signatures. So uh, key of C, D, E, F, G. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it talks about uh, like time signatures, how how to like count beats, notes, like it breaks down notes because you really needed to know that. Um, oh my gosh, measurement of sound. I'm just skipping through a lot of this repetition and contrast. It's crazy that they're going to this extent to try to teach people music so they can understand what music they should and shouldn't be listening mm-hmm. to. But at the end of the day, there was still a limited scope of songs that you could listen to anyways. It's like you listen to the stuff out of the red hymnal or classical music and that's mm-hmm. it. So it's like, why even teach them all of this stuff about music that's okay when at the end of the day, it's like, don't listen to secular music. You can't listen to that. It's evil. I think they just had a nerd on staff. That's what it sounds like. And they let him have at it. Because then it goes into like sympathetic vibration patterns. <laughs> sympathetic vibration patterns. And um, it's like an acoustical phenomenon in which the sound from a source is able to set in motion, vibration, any object around it, which is compatible with it. And then it has a picture of a violin. I think it's, it's talking about how uh, stringed instruments work. And then it says any hymn can be changed to hard rock simply by changing the style. So hymns aren't even safe, Kyle. <laughs> you desecrate those. And then I found this um, like blog style website called Throwing Out the Bathwater, Examining the Teachings of Bill Gothard. And it looks like it's referencing a different document about rock music. <laughs> I'm not sure which one. Bill felt very strongly about rock music. So it like... <sighs> The rock beat disobeys God's command to avoid all appearance of evil. And then it specifically calls out the categories, heavy metal, punk, thrash, rap, dance, pop, pop rock, rock and roll, and difficult to categorize. <laughs> I think they mean indie <laughs> or singer songwriter. Um, and then it talks about like how the, uh, there's this quote from it that, where Bill Souls says, not only is it difficult, if not impossible, to distinguish worldly rock groups from most Christian rock groups, but it is also very hard to determine which members are men and which ones are women because of the long hair skirts and other attire worn by many of them. So this was clearly written during a specific <laughs> time period. Isn't when, this hair bands? Yeah, I mean, when you get into the hair metal era, you got you got guys with very elaborate Mm-hmm. You know, big hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's why it's called hair metal. But I think there was also other periods of rock history, or or periods of time in in rock music when, um, you know, perms and, and oh, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So so evil. Yeah. 
And then Bell says the rock beat contradicts God's command not to be brought under its power and quotes 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. I will not be brought under the power of any. It's not even talking about music. I'm but, not surprised. Like I am surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like the the scripture they pull out in in these documents and reference it to something. Like it, it never correlates. It yeah. never is related to it. They mm-hmm. just oh, this sounds good. Well, I mean, they just pick some vague sentence and they're mm-hmm. like, "This is the one." Well, and they're like, they always cut chunks out of it. They cut chunks out of the verses they use, too, because mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And then um, Bill says, the rock beat opposes God's command not to mix light with darkness. The rock beat ignores God's command for all ministers to be qualified. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scripture establishes strict standards for those who would teach others in the church. And then Bible stuff. Uh, churches go through careful ordination services to make sure those who instruct Christians are qualified. Ironically, teachers who would never pass an ordination council are welcomed into churches to teach the young people through music. Worldly rock musicians who claim to be converted are immediately accepted as being qualified to teach gospel truth to youth. This is in direct contradiction to the following requirement. Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. First Timothy three six. Well, I'm sure to justify vulgar music on the basis that it is being used to communicate the gospel is the same as justifying profanity in the pulpit or pornography in gospel literature. Mm-hmm. The rock beat violates God's command to protect our bodies as God's temple. Because it damages our hearings, damages damages our hearing, damages our brain cells, and damages our concentration, Kyle. <laughs> oh, but real quick, here's how the, quote, rock beat. I told you, he loves his quotation marks. Damages our brain cells. Damages them, Kyle. When we listen to music, our minds try to bring the beat and mo- melody together. Uh, when there is an offbeat, the mind struggles to coordinate the two. Uh, then he quotes a study conducted by a neurobiologist and a physicist that he says indicated the devastating effects that occur in animals when there is prolonged listening to a rock rhythm. The brain cells involved actually become deformed as they attempt to reconcile the beat to the melody. And then he talks about how it damages our concentration. And I am now remembering after the little thing about animals in there, this thing called Sonic Blooms that the cult had where they grew tomatoes and played classical music to them. (laughs) So they were holier tomatoes. Oh. And they grew bigger. Oh. Mm -hmm. Because they had classical music played to them. Mm -hmm. So I have to remember what the offbeat. I've heard of people doing that with animals like cattle, but I've never heard of it with plants so the offbeat what is this demonic backbeat it's um it's on two and four so one two three four one two three four Mm -hmm. that is evil that is calling in demons kyle whereas (laughs) one two three four one two three four that's holiness itself okay yeah and then this is where the cult got kind of racist Um, There's a bunch more in the advanced seminar workbook, and it's just word salad mumbo jumbo. It's I'm I'm good stopping where we did. Um, 
It basically claims that we know the offbeat is evil because it's used in Africa for like their ceremonies that are apparently satanic and demon worship. Mm. That's at least the second time that's come up where they mm-hmm. relate stuff to like other cultures. <laughs> yeah, and saying it's just evil. Mhm. Mhm. Witchcraft. Mhm. If you listen to anything with the beat on 2 and 4, I'm so sorry to inform you, dear listeners, you're going to hell. Um, It's very evil. It's damaging your brain cells. You probably can't think or concentrate or do anything anymore. So sorry for you. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that says when I listen to rock music while I'm working every day. (laughs) I guess I'm not concentrating at all. (laughs) I've been listening to rock music for a long time, so I guess I'm definitely going to hell now. It's okay. I'll go with you. Although my brain might not be as damaged because it hasn't been listening to the demonic backbeat as long as yours has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saved by the classical music. Saved by Bach and Handel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our episode of the demonic backbeat. Don't listen to any rock music or you're going to hell. This I feel like our, our list for our listeners just keeps getting longer and longer. Like, don't join a cult. Don't dress immodestly. You'll die of medical issues. Don't listen to music with a backbeat because you'll go to hell. Um, I mean, there was a lot more. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's your homework. That's oppressive, right? Like, if we're trying to to mimic Bill. We'll just be like, okay, listeners, now your homework is to go listen to every episode all over again and get all of the rules and make sure you follow them. Well, actually, Bill wouldn't do that. He would put it in like a 300-page book with diagrams. Maybe we need a cult I left behind workbook, Kyle. Cheat sheet? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You make a comprehensive list of the thing that's going to send you to hell? <laughs> yes. Then when we get down there, we can all have a party. (laughs) With rock music. With rock music. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of The Cult I Left Behind. Until next time, don't join a cult. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, and we will catch you on the next episode. 